Hello and welcome to the first 2023 episode of The Lineup presented by True Blue LA Podcast. 2023, we're in, we're back in. It's been, it was last year when we last recorded. It really has been a while. We recorded the last podcast. Yeah, yeah, it hasn't been a year, but it's been almost a month. Yeah, to quote um, our friend Stained, uh, it's been a while. Let's put it this way. When we last recorded, Carl's Correa was a giant. That's right. Yeah, it's it's this. I think that perfectly encapsulates the the time in between recording, and we'll get into that because we we do actually have a resolution in that, which is surprising, and not a fake resolution like we thought we had. So <laughs> there's a there's a lot there's a lot going on. Well, there's both a lot going on and also not a lot going on, and I think we'll we'll get into why that is. And both uh, newsworthy. So we'll exactly, t- we'll break exactly that right. down, and then we've got we've got the classics. We've got. Almost said Dodgers Rewind. That's a separate episode you all have to tune in for. But we do have questions from Craig. We do have trivia. All of that after this. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right, Eric, I have a lot of trust in you, so I'm going to trust you to catch us up. Okay. You have 30 seconds. (laughs) We talked about the Carlos Correa thing. We'll get into that in a second. Uh, Our last episode also talked about what the Dodgers starting rotation would look like in 2023. They had just signed Noah Syndergaard. So we guessed the like number of starts and innings, I think, last episode. And uh, and one member who will not be a member of the starting rotation is Trevor Bauer, who we uh, we got uh, nearly full resolution uh, to, to his situation in the, uh, the last few weeks. Um, not going to go deep into this. Uh, earlier in this week on the leading off episode, I recorded a sort of reaction and a summary to, to what happened. But just as a timeline here, uh, also Michael Elizondo on our site wrote 
a uh, sort of good riddance piece uh, uh, earlier on Wednesday. But we'll, we'll I'll, just for a timeline here, uh, December 22nd, Major League Baseball revealed the independent arbitrator, uh, their decision on Bauer, who was initially suspended for 324 games, a full two years. Uh, it was reduced to 194 games, which at even at that reduced number, it was still the longest suspension in the history of uh, Major League Baseball joint domestic violence and sexual assault policy. Uh, the Dodgers, um, as part of the suspension, he was reinstated, Bauer was, but um, that started a clock of two weeks when the Dodgers, had, by which the, the end of the Dodgers had to add him to the 40-man roster or, you know, cut him, basically. January 6th was that date last Friday. The Dodgers took it all the way to the end, all the way to the last day. Ultimately, they designated him for assignment. So I believe um, you know, they came to the right decision, the obvious decision. Uh, perhaps they waited a little too long. Um, technically, Bauer could still be traded because um, he's in sort of DFA limbo right now. But I think also if there was a trade partner to be found, it would have happened by now. Like during the two weeks, I'm sure they exhausted many uh, scenarios um, between the, the time the, the suspension appeal announcement uh, and the Dodgers' decision to designate him for assignment. Most likely scenario, though, this week, uh, Bauer gets released, I think, Friday uh, after he clears waivers, and then he's free to sign wherever for the major league minimum. I will note, um, for what it's worth, the Padres and the Giants, um, I believe through reporting, um, have said they are not going to pursue Bauer. I believe the Minnesota Twins have also said they're not going to pursue Bauer. It's just, And I think um, Paul Hoinsey in, in Cleveland, plain dealer, or maybe it's just Cleveland.com. I always forget what how exactly the some of the publications work there. But um, I believe the Guardians, who, who Bauer pitched for before, are, are definitely not going to pursue him. So it's I hate being the like cross teams off the list here, but that's just sort of where we're at uh, with Bauer. But we're, this episode isn't necessarily about Bauer, but I think just as a summary, that that's that's where we're at right now with him. Yeah, uh, I don't want to belabor the point either, especially since you summed it up. So uh, in the previous episode, just wanted to add my thoughts that uh, grateful, I guess, that they came to the ultimately right conclusion. Bummer that they took as long as they did. Um, But, you know, throughout this process, they have behaved as a very efficient business. And that is not that's not a compliment. (laughs) And and one and without this this isn't a situation. This is a situation to not be as efficient. Yeah. Yeah. One of the inputs in that like business efficiency was not like um, public facing optics or uh, care for the fan base, that that sort of thing. Absolutely. And very, very cold and calculating less than which is, which is fun when it's, you know, baseball moves and making roster decisions, making pure roster decisions, but this extended beyond that, which they had shown. I don't know. I don't know what word I'm looking for. Um, Sure. Uh, uh, yeah. shown that <laughs> yeah uh, uh, throughout these proceedings um, but again grateful that it's at least for Dodger fans in their uh, rear rear view and I uh, hope other fan bases don't have to go through it yep um, and uh, just catching up again on the timeline stuff since we recorded since it has been four weeks uh, JD Martinez is now a Dodger um, I was looking back just to see because I couldn't remember the exact timeline of like when that was announced or uh, reported, then announced, and it was not, it was after we recorded. Um, he was uh, he's re- he didn't start any games in the field last year with the Red Sox. He was all DH. He started a little in the outfield, 
the three years prior. So he's basically full-time DH, I would say. We'll get into the position specifics a little later. But um, that's a that's sort of a, a sea change for the Dodgers, given uh, how they've used the DH in the first two seasons they've had it. If I gave you yeah. an over-under of five innings oh. on non-DH defense innings, what oh, would I would you take? Think, I would... I would take the over, like even if you had said games, I would have taken the over. Okay. I think, I think there's going to be occasional stuff, but like, okay, yeah, maybe. Well, who knows? <laughs> I mean, maybe, <laughs> um, but like, and in, in that regard, a, a sort of related slash unrelated transaction to that, uh, it wasn't a trade, but it might as well have been Justin Turner uh, signed with the Red Sox. So a very bittersweet goodbye to someone who was like, I think at worst, the second best third baseman in Dodgers history. At the very least, you could say both of the the top two third basemen in Dodgers history both wore number ten, which is uh, which is something he and Ron say. Um, but before we get into actual Dodger stuff, just given the timeline, I think we should acknowledge the weirdness of the Correa situation. Like literally, the last episode we were talking about how the two NL West rivals uh, signed three hundred million dollar shortstops, um, where the Giants were. Um, you know, adding Correa, Padres added uh, Xander Bogarts. So here's the timeline uh, with Correa. December 13th, the Giants agreed to terms uh, on Correa with uh, 13 years, 350 million, uh, insane deal. Like really high. Um, wasn't a record, but like uh, it was one of the top, what like five, like total guarantees in Major League history or something. December 20th, one week later, the morning of his press conference in San Francisco. With Correa already dressed and ready at the hotel, like the Giants postponed the presser. Um, there were concerns over a broken leg he suffered in 2014 in the minors. He has not um, uh, went on the uh, injured list for that injury in his all his time in the majors. But like I guess pe- people were concerned enough that it could be like degenerative, degenerative or uh, hurt him eventually. Um, so the Giants, they weren't ready to go forward with the deal. So that sort of opened the door for Scott Boris, uh, Correa's agent, to go back to the market. By that night, technically into December 21st. How, this was, you know, close close enough to Christmas that I, right. how I found out about this was Heyman's tweet of uh, Correa to the Mets. I was like, what? Wait, <laughs> he was, was a giant. Like what? First, that, that was your first thing. To like, Wait a minute. How, how did that So happen, when it right? got, you know, it was on, it was highly uploaded on Reddit. I assumed it was just a, a Heyman mistake tweet. Like, it's like it got plus, delayed or something. Plus, I think I want to say that was, I think that Heyman tweet was like, uh, 9.30 Pacific. So, like, yeah, it was, yeah. like, 12.30 a.m. Eastern time. And um, so they got a deal with the Mets, 12 years, $315 million, But the key words here, pending a physical. Um, so then heading it again, sort of things quieting down, heading into Christmas. But on Christmas Eve came the first word that there were Mets concerns about Correa's physical now. Same issue, uh, old broken leg. So now um, it's sort of, it's been in limbo since then. And then uh, we're recording this on January 11th. Uh, On January 10th um, came word that Correa had a new deal with his old team, um, the Twins, who had him last year. um, Six years, 200 million guarantee. Now there are four, they sort of structured this in a weird way. There are four club options at the end that sort of are of decreasing value. Um, such that the total can be 270 million over 10 years. Each of those options 
can vest if Correa gets a certain number of plate appearances. I believe it starts at 575. And then in the in the ninth year, if he gets 502 plate appearances, the 10th year vests, but it's only like 10 million at that point. So they're kind of covering themselves in that way. I believe the report on the Mets offer was they basically have their their thing, which was what, 12 years, 315. So they had basically had six years, 157 and a half guaranteed. And then the reporting I saw uh, was that the Mets wanted yearly physicals before guaranteeing each of the final six years of the deal. I don't even know if like that's permitted or like yeah. if the players association <laughs> would have allowed it. It's much, it's much more palatable to do the option route. And like, if you have certain playing time, that sort of thing, but long story short, by the time the, the sort of announcement to the Mets came out or to the twins came out, um, they were far enough along in the physical uh, that it was pretty much a done deal. And there was actually today, January 11th, a press conference. So it is official. The funniest part about this was in, this was in the morning uh, when the, the deal became official. And the first word of the subject line was all caps from the twins official. <laughs> <laughs> and then we signed Carlos Pereira or whatever it was. So I thought that was pretty funny. Um, but yeah, like, so that's just a sort of, there, we're, I, there's a lot of activity here we're talking about, and not a lot of it is with the Dodgers. They've signed mostly like, you know, kind of stopgap type stuff. Like every free agent they've signed has been a one-year deal. Um, so I thought, I, I've written about this, and we've talked about this on previous podcasts, where they're, they're still, uh, still kind of lacking, like I would say, experience at least on the position player side. I, I uh, not that they necessarily need to get like a starter level guy, but like just like more depth. They didn't have the depth that they usually have. And they sort of addressed that today. So, but I will just, just to set the stage here, we were planning to um, sort of guess playing time at, at various positions. We, we were planning to do this anyway. And then the Dodgers went and sort of threw a wrench into this um, by trading for Miguel Rojas, who uh, an old friend uh, and, He's, he's back now. Uh, they, it became official before we recorded. Um, so they got him from the Marlins. He falls into the, like, all these one-year deals that they were doing free agent-wise because he has one year and $5 million left on the deal. Uh, it was Jake Amaya sent to Miami, so it's basically shortstop for shortstop. Um, so I think, again, this is just the Dodgers going for experience. Rojas didn't really hit at all last year. He had a 73 WRC+. plus. He's... He's not like an average hitter when he's like has a normal year, but like he does enough on defense to sort of make up for that. Usually, um, now he uh, he also had surgery on his right wrist uh, in October at the very end of the season. He slid into a base, I think, in like the first game back after the All Star game, um, th- that hurt hit, hurt his wrist, and he just completely like it sapped his power. His isolated power was one thirteen before the break, and it was. Uh, 51 after just like no power but it's not like he was hitting a ton anyway like his his wrc plus before the break was 82 so he's still that it went down to 61 after the break so it's just, you know very bad but he tried to play through it um craig mish of the miami herald earlier wednesday noted uh quote uh, had a minor issue pop up recently after undergoing wrist surgery in, back in october he'll need a procedure on it from what i understand but it didn't hold up the deal with the dodgers the trade is complete so and the, both teams did announce the, the deal after this tweet. But um, 
I do wonder if that means I'm sure uh, as we're recording, uh, Rojas is a guest with David Basse on Dodger Talks. So if, if anything comes out of that, if he mentions it, like I wondered if if like the pending surgery is like something he's going to have like this like now, or is that something like he'll just have to do like eventually, or is it going to like we don't really know at this point. But what what he does is add another sort of person who's probably going to play some into the mix. Uh, but, but before we sort of get into the positions, I think, um, you know, we mentioned J.D. Martinez sign. I would say it's safe to say he's going to get, like, the bulk of the starts at designated hitter. And then you have Will Smith at catcher, Freddie Freeman at first, Mookie Betts and right. But I think the other five positions are, like, there's enough question to where I think we should try to pick who's going to start the most or who's going to play the most at each mm-hmm. position. So I think that would create an interesting um, – interesting sort of game yeah it's uh i don't know (laughs) right uh i because i think you we can come up with names that we expect to start get the most played appearances generally but i i really do wonder is did they make this move to have sort of a, a backup infielder and they still want to do main, Lux mainly at short? Are they right. now going back to Lux mostly at second? What does that do with Miguel Vargas? Right. Yeah. Like, cause it, it, there's, there's all sorts of avenues to go, right? Like um, I will note that. So they traded Jacob Meyer, right? He's 10 years younger. Uh, Kyle Glazer at uh, um, uh, Baseball America noted that, uh, Amaya was is is Baseball America's 11th rated uh, Dodgers prospect in their handbook, and uh, he sort of noted that there's kind of a similar profile, like strong defensively but light bat, and uh, it's just sort of interesting that the Dodgers are going for the more known quantity. But to just to put a fine point on where the Dodgers are at experience wise, Amaya was one of eight position players on the Dodgers 40 man with with no more than six days of major league service time. That doesn't even include Miguel Vargas, who has 41 days of service time, or uh, Yanni Hernandez, who's like a you know light hitting, speedy backup infielder who has 109 days of service time. So they really did need more depth, and I think this is where it goes. But so I think let's let's just go position by position. So sure, let's let's start at shortstop since that's sort of you know they they acquired Rojas, right? That's his main position. He started other places. Um, he only played one year with the Dodgers uh, before uh, getting traded in the D Gordon deal um, back in 2014 at the winter meetings. But he did his most famous play with the Dodgers was at third base in Clayton Kershaw's no hitter. Um, he made a, a nice play behind the bag and then strong throw to first. Um, so you, you're right. Like there's all these avenues, right? Like do they keep, do they continue with the idea of Gavin Lux being the sort of regular shortstop? Do they give Rojas more time at short, put Lux at second, and then that sort of not closes off, but makes it less likely Max Muncy or Miguel Vargas would get time at second? And obviously there's not um, exaggerated shifts anymore. So like it limits some, you know, probably Muncy and Vargas at second. So like, who knows? But like, there's all these, I guess how, how you choose one probably affects how you pick the other ones. But I think how to do it is let's just pick, Who's gonna be? Who's gonna have the most defensive innings at each position? Okay. So let's do shortstop first. So I, I just listed some candidates here. I, it's Lux and Rojas, really, and Chris Taylor has experience there. I don't know how often he's gonna play it. It seems like he's more likely, at least with Rojas on board, to play more outfield. But 
um, yeah, those, I think those are the main three. I, I just, uh, as a point of, um, you know, I guess completion or, or I'm, I don't know the word I'm trying to think of, but before the trade, I did have Jake Amaya with a question mark listed here, like okay. not, as a, you know, potential, not that he was, would have taken over or something, but he was at least in the mix. I am guessing they got Rojas to start. And so that's, that's who I'm going to go with. Okay. So I, I was trying to think of this, like, um, do we, are we making this a contest thing or are we just talking through? We it? can just talk this through. Okay. I, I, I keep going back and forth on this because, right. I, you know, there were a lot of people doubtful of Lux at shortstop. And to me, this made the perfect sense of a year to at least start, give him some runway to see if he can make that work. And then a position that, correct me if I'm wrong, they don't have a lot of depth of. Uh, in the minors. Maybe I'm incorrect about that. At short? Yeah. Yeah, that, uh, that's right. Amaya and then you solved at... the problem for a few years. Right. Um, whereas you at, at uh, the corners and at second, you have more depth coming up in a year or so. And so you can kind of, you know, hodgepodge it maybe this year. And then um, maybe Michael Bush is ready to go as your sort of regular second baseman there for if he can stick, stick at second, which I believe is a question. We haven't had David Hood on in a while. To, yeah, to talk talk to me about prospects to make sure I'm actually caught up. But that was yeah, that. Am I corrected that uh, Michael Bush staying there was a question mark, or am I wrong about that? Uh, so some prospect lists have come out, like the um, top ten lists for or, or top whatever lists for the team have come out from at Baseball America, Baseball Prospectus, and Fangraphs. So um, the other the two uh, Baseball America, Baseball Prospectus list him at like second base and either second base slash somewhere else or whatever. Uh, Eric Wangenhagen at Fangraphs has him listed as DH. Yeah. And then he, <laughs> then he was like, he's bat only basically. Yeah. <laughs> and so uh, I don't know, but, but he all Wangenhagen in this piece, you know, sort of talking with people in the industry. And I think people with the Dodgers said they are um, committed to at least seeing him through at second. So I think he's going to get some, some time there, whether that means uh, until they until he, they find out he's not going to play it, like in AAA, or if that means he's he's going to get some major league run. I think it's probably the latter as well. But, the other thing I want to note know. about all of the moves the Dodgers have made uh, are, are have felt like uh, re- tax reset moves. But there's they're still over the limit. <laughs> like they right. well, so, I almost like I'm happy to play this game, but it feels like there's another shoe that has to drop for right. these moves to make sense to me. It's very likely that they're not done. And I and I think the any hope, I think for me, any hope of resetting the tax sort of died when the Bauer decision came because that put the Dodgers on the hook for um so he got part of the deal was part of his administratively was time served. So he's he's eligible now. But they still they docked him fifty the first fifty games of pay for twenty twenty three, so that knocked about nine and a half million off. So his CBT number is thirty four million. That's the average of the three years. So if you take nine and a half million off, that means they're on the hook um, CBT wise for about twenty four and a half million. They're actually paying him about twenty two and a half million this year. Um, so once once that like sort of happened, it made it almost impossible for them to be under. Even even if they didn't do any other moves, like even if they didn't get Miguel Rojas, just just basic like in season roster management, like anytime a guy goes on the injured list, 
you got to call people up like that adds up over the course of the season, even if you're just calling a minimum salary. Sure, like, sure. So but I guess my my point is, right. is there They're a move where they can move yeah. salary? Yeah. Oh, well, here's the other thing. So I I just think they're going to end up being over. I think that the dream of them being under whatever it was, I think that's dead. Like, because so the two most tradable, I guess you could argue, right? So on, on offense, Chris Taylor, three years, 45 million left. He also has a trade kicker. I think it's a million and a half or something if he gets traded. But like, who's going to trade for Chris Taylor with that contract after this year, right? After his last year where he was he was bad and hurt. Um, Max Muncy, um, is 13 and a half million this year, but also they like Max Muncy. I yeah. don't think they're going to trade him. So like, and then it comes down to like, uh, like Gonsolin's first year are eligible. Um, it, he's going to be somewhere in the like three, three to 4 million range, but like, that's not saving a lot. And you, then you need another starter. So like, you know, there's not, there's no real, um, there's no real easy fix. So I, I just think, I just think they're over the tax. Like there's no way around it at this point. Almost. Okay. Yeah. Um. All right. So yeah. Uh, weird. I expect this to be a very silly conversation when we look back at it in a couple of months, but we'll keep going. So I think, I think Rojas is your main shortstop. I, I tend to agree with you. I, and I, and even if it's like, even if that means he makes like 93 starts at short, you know, <laughs> like I just, I think, having him and like Lux and other, it allows them to do more mixing and matching. I will say with Rojas, he, um, he is better against lefties. So if they have him in like, even like a, like a hybrid role where he's not every day, every day, maybe he gets a lot of those starts and not that they're not that he's going to like platoon with Lux or something. Cause I think they're comfortable with him with whoever, but like um, may, maybe if, if there's, like a smaller role for him. That's, that's what it's going to be. But um, yeah, I, I think it's going to be Rojas at short, which I think makes we could skip third for a second. And I think that means Lux yep. is, Agreed. is, is at second basically. Um, but that said, like Lux could also be like, end up starting like 65 games at short and then like, you know, 72 at second and, or something like that. Who knows, who knows what it is, but I think, I think he's going to play a lot. Um, but the, so then the real question is, um, there, there's all these things, but so then at third, right? If you have JD Martinez doing most of the DHing, or if not, you know, like three quarters of the DHing or whatever, then you, you have to find a place for Muncie and Miguel Vargas if you're if you're committed to that, and I think they are with Vargas. So like, is, does that mean Vargas is basically like third base and left field? Or, or like, does he? Do they start one of those two guys, Muncie and Vargas, at second sometimes to like? Yeah, in my mind, with the, how the Dodgers tend to maneuver yeah. the lineup, I always assume there's like the first bat off the bench. It, you might as well give them starter roles. Sort of, you know, Chris Taylor epitomized this. You know, yeah. was a you didn't have a set position, but still led had a lot of um, at bats over the you know maybe not last year but the years before that when he wasn't when he was healthy so i'm i'm comfortable kind of having that be the case in this case i think it's going to be um miguel vargas who's kind of in this i don't know if like maybe maybe left field he gets the most hurt but maybe not but maybe he is the first to kind of fill in at third at left uh at at dh when um jd martinez takes a day off or whatever 
uh, or or likewise fills in at third while Muncie gets the DH start, that kind of stuff. Um, yeah. So I think I think it'll be Muncie at third for. for I think Muncie at third as well, but in the in the same vein, I do think Vargas is going to get a lot of playing time around. I think if there's a position where Vargas ends up like leading the team, it would probably be in left field. Mm-hmm. Um, but then there's also we we they still have to cover left field and center field. Um, so oh, what a weird just, team, <laughs> right? It's a really weird team. So so they have Chris Taylor, which we mentioned, who could technically play like second and short, um, and you know obviously it's played left and center quite a bit, even some third, but maybe uh, they're less likely to play him there. Um, so I you have him in left, you have Miguel Vargas in left, the the. The non-roster invitee that uh, is worth mentioning here is Jason Hayward, um, just because I think he's going to get a, a decent look. If not, I'm not going to say he has a guaranteed spot on the opening day roster, but it sure seems like they signed him to play. Um, so, uh, but does he? Is he? He's also been hurt and bad the last two years. So, like, I'm not. He he's in the mix. And then, but then you also have like Trace Thompson, and then and then going back to the rookie well. James Outman is going to find a place to play somewhere. But then I think you have like Thompson, Outman and Taylor who also can play center. So like there, there's a lot of questions there, like too, like who, who, who is going to be your left fielder, I guess is, is the next, the next position we'll, we'll pick. Uh, I'll say Vargas with not very confidently. Yeah. I, hmm. I wonder like, so Plus, like what? Like what if they if um, they end up doing like where where like JD Martinez starts twenty times in left or something, <laughs> and, and you know, and Mookie Betts hasn't been like you know one hundred and sixty games, one hundred fifty five games healthy. Like they'll you know each year too. Like he's gonna miss some time, so I think some of the outfield guys can fill in there and right, like especially like Trace Thompson or something. Um, but then also you. I'm I'm hesitant to pick Trace Thompson in any position just because he uh he hasn't just hasn't played much like you know in the last few years some sometimes hurt sometimes it's performance he was really good for the Dodgers last year but I I don't think he's someone you can count on to have like 600 at bats or something so I'm hesitant to choose like him in one of the outfield positions but I also I'm I'm kind of hesitant to pick Vargas either cuz I think they're going to like fit him in where they need him, like you know, third base sometimes, even second base sometimes, left field a, a lot, occasional DH, that sort of thing. But I don't think he ends up leading at any one position. So I think I'm gonna go. I think I'm gonna go Chris Taylor here in okay. left. And I did not go Chris Taylor because I'm actually gonna go Chris Taylor in center. Oh, so this is where I I go not off the board, but um, uh, so I think Hayward is like. for me is the most likely to be in left if it's not Taylor Mm -hmm. in terms of leading the team. But even that you're, you're, you're like not relying, but sort of it's hard picking someone who, who played as little as he did the last two years and who did as well as he did the last two years. And and it wasn't very well like to, to play a lot. So I don't, I'm not super confident in in that happening, but I just think he's going to, he's, he's in the mix, Mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. in in center, I think I'm going to go, this is another runway spot, and I think uh, I'm going to go with James Altman. Um, sure. And leading the team. 
But again, I, <laughs> I wonder if any of any of these team leaders that decisions is going to start more than a hundred games at this yeah. position. <laughs> like maybe maybe that's a good thing though. Like may, maybe the mixing and matching ends up working for them. Who knows? Uh, so that said, within the next two weeks, they're going to probably acquire two other position players and just completely make this moot. But uh, no, I don't know. Um, yeah, I think we solved it. Uh, yeah, <laughs> no question. Um, but uh, among one of the the newbies, uh, JD Martinez, he has 282 career home runs. Uh, he's within striking distance of 300, as is Freddie Freeman, who's sitting on 292. Um, four hitters uh, have hit their 300th career home run while with the Dodgers. How many of them can you name? Two. We'll go with that after this. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It's time for today's Lucky Land horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. How many major league players have hit their 300th major league home run while wearing a major league Dodge uniform? How many times can I say major league? All right. So there's four you said? There's four you said? All right. Four. Yeah. Four. All right. Duke Snyder. Duke Snyder was the first one to do it July 20th, 1957 against the Cubs in Brooklyn. Eric Karros. Eric Karros is the L.A. Dodger uh, home run leader with 270. No! Uh, so, no! Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I was wondering about it. I knew, I knew it would be close. I thought I thought he went over. Yeah. Uh-oh. Um, <laughs> I said two before the break, so that was my guess. I'm, 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 going, on my, I'm going on my three strikes rule. No, no hints yet. I've got names. Okay. I've got names written down. Uh, Adrian Gonzalez. Adrian Gonzalez was the last one to do ah. August 7th, 2016. Again, I want to give credit to Craig. I was rereading uh, answers uh, that are coming up for your trivia, and his name was listed. I was like, ooh, that's a good one. <laughs> Let me write that down real quick. He was against his most immediate former team, the Red Sox, but like four years after they traded him. Uh, in the seventh inning against Junichi Tozawa at Dodger Stadium, uh, he, had, uh, he ended his career with 317 home runs. All right, so those were my three the names I three names I wanted to say the most. Now I'm on my backup tier, and then the hints can flow. Um, Sean Green, no. Okay. Uh, in fact, I'm going to look that because I, I I have I wrote about it for this coming weekend. He wasn't among the like near misses um, that I can remember, but I, I'm looking him up right now just to see where he was at. So with Carano, so he was only at one ninety. So he oh. So when he left the Dodgers, he was at 281. Okay, I'm I'm taking that as a good guess then. Yeah, no, yeah. So you're that that's well within like striking distance. Yeah, yeah. You're right. All right. Uh, so we'll do one more, and then I'll let you throw a hint. Uh, another one where like 
he was hurt for so long. I don't know how many he packed up in the hurt years uh, before he came back. Matt Kemp? Uh, Matt Kemp, no. Oh, he would, fact, uh, you actually gave me a hint by saying Agon, Agon was the most recent. I should have should have backed yeah. out of that. But I, I'm going to look. Well, you might have thought of the when, when Matt Kemp signed his eight-year $160 million contract after uh, 2011. Uh, I think I wrote a post like basically outlining how he could set all the Dodgers career records, <laughs> which is just not smart at all. Um, okay, so Kemp hit 182 his first time around with the Dodgers. Uh, and then when he came back, he uh, his last home run with the Dodgers in 2018 was number 280. So yeah, again, okay. <laughs> all right. I feel but he, he ended with 287. No, I'm, I'm happy with that as a guess, except that you gave me the Aegon the hint, and I, I should have ran with that as a. So, as a so I, have two, I have two hints for you. I'll give you the first one first. It's the oldest one. So, uh, Duke Snyder. Mm-hmm. Hit his 300th home run against the Cubs right-handed Dick Drott, D-R-O-T-T. This isn't um, a hint. You just wanted to tell me that. Yeah, but the, the next Dodger to hit his 300th home run also hit that home run against Dick Drott. Uh, <laughs> the very next year, in fact. Uh, also at home, but this was in Los Angeles instead of Brooklyn. So uh, I'm, I'm going to tap out. Like I, I will just be naming names. So, so. This one is there's only two Dodgers who hit 300 home runs with the Dodgers. Duke Snyder, 389, is number one. Gil Hodges is okay. number two, 361. Okay. So he um, would have been one of the names I said early, but it would have been a, just a stone cold guest. So the other hint is, for you is this was, um, this was in the, it's it's like the it's probably the stretching the boundaries of the Jacob era. It's definitely Jacob Life era. It's definitely like Jacob cognizant person era okay um and, and so yeah that that's all i'm gonna say and i will i'll give you the year 2001 gary sheffield gary sheffield at course field against <laughs> denny nagel um so yeah and, and his so he has 100 he had 509 home runs um 129 of those with the dodgers he played for so many teams that his his 129 with the dodgers are his most with any team really that's yeah <laughs> surprising to me mm-hmm. okay i'll you know i'm gonna take it I'll, i said two i got two without hints i'm uh i'm okay with it time I, to turn I, the table so, i no. actually knew all four but i wanted to stick to the two so that's fair hey guess what mm, is it time for something it's time for something that something is with Greg. we love them a new year, but I was about to say the same old questions from Craig, but they're different questions. <laughs> we just answer the same five questions. It's Groundhog's Day, but it was all about 300 home run with the Dodgers. <laughs> yeah. This week's trivia is all about Justin Turner. Mm, all right. The first one is Can Eric name the three Dodgers who have more played appearances than Turner's 4,220 in the wild card era? Oh, God. Okay. Um, so I think uh, one of them is Andre Ethier. That's correct. 5,425. Um, the other one, or another one, is Matt Kemp. 5,002. Okay. So this is where. Oh, boy. Um, so you have got to find someone who played for them for a good number of years. In the wild card era, so 
Oh man. Um, I'm trying to game this out. So wildcard era are, oh, I wonder okay, as a, as an exercise is, is Craig counting 94 as the wildcard? Cause technically the wildcard existed in 94. He, as far Craig. as I can tell, he is not. He is not. Okay. Um, so I'm going, I'm not going to say Eric Karras, <laughs> even though like, I he may encourage you to rethink that decision. Okay. Oh, I'm going to say Eric Karras then. 4,914. Okay. So here's the deal. So I think Karras was with the Dodgers through 2002. Correct. And I think in, in my in my head, I was thinking 2001. So I was thinking he mm. might not have made it. Okay. And also the, the, the strike shortened year plus the next year was like delayed. So oh, that's it, right? Yep. You got it. Okay. I was like, I was trying to think. I was like, oh, no, I can't come up with another one now. Uh, Adrian Beltran, Sean Green, right after Justin Turner, for what it's worth. Nice. Well, it is easy to associate number 10 with Ron Say and Justin Turner. Several Dodgers were in the intervening years. Per the 2002, excuse me, Dodger media guide, can Eric name the last player to wear it before Turner donned it in 2014? Okay, so before I saw the last player to wear it part, I the the first player i thought of when i saw this question was is going to be the same as my answer for this and that's michael young you are correct yeah 2013 uh he has a non-trivial question for the both of us do you think there will be a break before another player wears it given turner's contributions oh good so yeah i don't i don't see them like retiring it but maybe maybe they maybe they do just like all right let's hold off on this for a little bit right like um, I, uh, this is more minutiae than anything, but just the other day I was, um, I went through, I have like my sort of, I started a new 2023, like Google sheet, um, uh, that I sort of do random tables on. Usually there it's so I can do insert like a table into a post. Uh, and, and that's what I use it for, but I also use it for like random research stuff. And one of the things I have is a just sort of a list of a bit like the numbers. Cause the, once the non-roster invitees come out, you get all the high numbers and various players. And so I'm, I'm getting close to filling that in just so I have an idea of like which numbers are actually available. Like I put the retired numbers in it and Fernando's in there as quote unquote retired and all this stuff. But yeah, like I just, it's, it's always neat to just see, okay, which numbers are actually available. Cause they're not, they don't always come to mind readily um, in that, but that, that was a, very long, boring, non-answer. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, I have a, I'm reserving my answer for a future question from Craig coming up in a few. Uh, it's related mm-hmm. to it. Justin Turner played college baseball at Cal State Fullerton. Can Eric name the last two players the Dodgers <laughs> drafted from Cal State Fullerton? Hint, both were in the opts. Man, I don't think so. Um, <laughs> the the first one I thought of, and I I, I think even immediately thought it was wrong, but I want to say Chris Powell, but I think he was Cal Poly Pomona, and I was just conflating. Um, He's uh, not on my list. I'll say that. Okay, so I, I mm, Fullerton, I don't know any other Cal State Fullerton people that I can think of, so I I'm, I have to pass on this one. Uh, Sergio Pedroza, Pedroza, excuse me. Okay. And Matt Wallach. Matt Wallach, of course. Yeah, <laughs> I should have went to the Wallach tree, like. Like, like I think, what, three of his sons played in the majors? I know all of them didn't go to Fullerton, but like, yeah, all right. I, I failed on that one. That's Your bad. final Justin Turner question. Justin Turner leaves the Dodgers as the current oh. all-time leader in plate appearances as a designated hitter. 
Can Eric name the next four Dodger players on this list? So this is a weird one. So he started 61 times last year. I think he started 12 times in 2020 when, when their universal DH or whatever. But then it's just a bunch of like hodgepodge from the other internet Correct. players. <laughs> I'm so, looking at this list and it is in fact a hodgepodge. But, but before I go back into those years, I'm gonna I'm gonna think so I believe I think Will Smith started twenty-four games this last year at DH and did enough. And I think I'm just the the two more immediate ones, like the more recent ones, I'm gonna say are Will Smith and Max Muncy. You got them in order. Will Smith with 140 and Max Muncy with 127. Okay. Uh, and then I'm going to go back um, to one of your answers for the 300 home run thing. And I'm going to say Eric Karos. Nope. What about Eric Karos? No. Um, <laughs> so, okay. This is another. So, what about. So, no, because no, no, no. Um, first year with Interleague play was 97. Piazza was traded in May 98. So, no way. Um, Oh boy! So then, then it gets tricky. Um, uh, what about what about Matt Kemp? Nope. <sighs> One more is, strike. Okay. Um, if you want, I can give you the most recent year they acquired, uh, accrued. Maybe maybe after I miss one. So right. I, I'm just gonna. I'll just say Jeff Kent. I don't. I don't have any confidence. No. In any of these. So the four years, the four most recent years, this player DH for the Dodgers. Uh, we have a 2022. We have two in 2022. We oh, have one okay. in 2020, and we have one in 20, 2007. Oh, okay. So the, I got the two in 22. So uh, no, no. In, so in, there's two more in 2022. Wait, he said the next four players on the list, and I already. Oh yeah. Oh, oh, sorry. I my list keeps going. I apologize. So yeah, if we want to, sorry, he always gives me a little extra. Uh, So yeah, just those two. I apologize. One is in two thousand and twenty-two. One is in two thousand and seven. Oh, one. So there's not one that's twenty twenty. That was the seventh on the list. I apologize. I did. I did confuse you. I know you got all excited. Yeah. Well, I was gonna say Jack Peterson if that. You would have been wrong anyway, so you're fine. Uh, We'll We'll pretend you never did that. You're a liar. Um. So 2022. Oh boy. Um. Let's think here. Do do do. Um. No. That's not it. Uh, oh, this is this is bad. Um, wait, is it Edwin Rios? It is Edwin Rios. Okay, all right. And then the other one was two thousand seven. Yep. And I already guessed. Oh, Jeff Kent was around in oh eight. Um, oh seven. Um, good lord. Um, what a weird. And speaking of weird Dodger teams. Uh, that was a weird one. Um, Russell Martin was around through 2010. Oh, Manny. Nope. What? Oh, <laughs> come on. Um, <laughs> honestly shocked. Um, okay, so Almedo didn't stick around that long. Ooh, did he? He was around in 07? He was. Almedo signs? <laughs> Almedo signs I'm- is the answer. I am just stunned. Uh, 92 games in 2007. Uh, the next I, two, for what it's worth, yeah. not not that you were asked this, but the, that I give you the years for, uh, Jake Lamb. Wow. <laughs> yeah, right? That surprised me. And then uh, AJ Pollock. Yeah, I can see that. All right. You did, you did good. I'm proud Wait. of you. 
Pollock didn't DH in 2021? Uh, not according to my notes. Wow. I do, looking back, I wonder I wonder where Pujols is on that list, given that Jake Lamb is on the list. <laughs> <laughs> Eric funny. has brought this up uh, often during the offseason, but uh, a glance, uh, the current 40-man roster finds nearly half of the position players being recent additions from the farm system. Have you mentioned yep. that? Uh, It seems unlikely that many of them will be part of the 2023 active roster. How do you see the Dodgers navigating the rest of the offseason and spring training with this particular hand tied behind their back? So I I think that the hand tying part only comes with a few of those. Um, I realize they don't have the players to pull off this exact move or a move similar to it, but I keep like I keep waiting for the 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 Puig to Reds trade of this year to occur. Like just like I like again, I don't I don't know what that would look like. They don't have the players that make sense for it, I think. But just something that like resets everything um from their perspective. But so if they were to do something like that, it would be like a cap reset thing. So th- that would almost have to involve Chris Taylor. Mm-hmm. Um but they'd also have to like send money. So I don't I, I'm I struggle to see I do too. <laughs> You're right. That, 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 that. So I don't. I don't think I, like a cap reset because they did that in twenty in the twenty seventeen to eighteen offseason and eighteen to nineteen. Uh, the seventeen to eighteen one was the getting Matt Camp back. Yeah. Uh, when sending uh, Adrian Gonzalez, uh, Brandon McCarthy, um, and someone else I'm forgetting to the Braves. That was essentially like a cap reset. So I, I don't know if it's that, but I think it's more like. Um, Maybe so. The, the the people who I don't think are going to play in the majors this year are Eddie's Leonard and uh, Yarbit Vivas, who who are I believe still like good prospects. I don't want to say they're not, but I also think they they haven't played above high A yet. Now they ended last year in high in twenty twenty one in high A and played all year in twenty twenty two in high A. So it's possible they could like you know, go through both double A and triple A and maybe get hot enough to reach majors at some point. I think this is where the non-expansion of, of September rosters like hurts things. Like th- that's, that would, that would be a time where those guys would be up in September, no matter what, if they're on the 40 man. But now like you only gain two spots. So there's just no room. Um, so I think it's like, I also think Diego, Diego Cartaya, who's their top prospect has played even uh, fewer t- uh, games at high A, and he also hasn't played above high A yet. So he's also only the third. He's the third catcher on the forty man. So, I, but it's hard for me, at least like in the first like three to four months of the season, seeing a scenario where we need a catcher. We're going to call up Cartaya, to, and he's probably going to start one of those games or whatever, depending on who's injured or whatever. Like last year, Austin Barnes went on the paternity list. So it was three games. They called up Tony Walters, who was on a minor league deal. I think. Something like that is what the Dodgers would do. So I think those three spots are essentially effectively not, they're on the roster, but they're non-roster spots, you know? Like, so I think that's what hamstrings them more than anything. So I I think it, it's almost like how many more of the like Amaya for Vargas type or Var, I keep so they traded for Miguel Rojas and in my I think I've typed a few times Miguel Vargas. <laughs> so I'm gonna do that a lot this year, I imagine, but I think uh, the more like, not that the, every trade's going to be like a uh, prospect for one year of a veteran or whatever, but like I think it's going to be more of a trade like that. So what if they can? What if they find a spot like 
someone wants Leonard and, and Vivas for like um, another reliever or something, you know, whatever, like, and then go, go sign another outfielder or whatever. I'm just, that's, that's probably what they do. Like a move like that. But other than that, like, I don't, I don't, I'm just not sure. Like they, they, it is, it's very weird to, to see that the roster is like that. And, and it's hard to argue, to be honest, like they, they did that last year. Like uh, Vivas and Leonard were on the 40 man all last year and they won 111 games. Right. Like, and it's not like they would have, it's not like they necessarily would have added someone who's on the playoff roster. So I, it's not like it held them back a lot. So I, I can sort of see why they do it. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it makes for a very, a very odd roster construction. I think. Earlier today, tonight, Dodgers acquired old friend Miguel Rojas from the Miami Marlins. In the past few, wouldn't this be funny if we didn't cover this or like we did this earlier and Craig broke the news to us? What? <laughs> In the past few seasons, Dodgers have hold have had old friends Matt Kemp, Russell Martin, Alex Wood. Can you each name a former Dodger currently playing that you think will return to the Dodgers next? I will just note Andrew Heaney was also in that group, although he technically didn't play for them before, but he was an old friend before he came back. So. My I, I, I my re-reserving my time, uh, Justin Turner is going to be a Dodger again, possibly as a coach. I don't know. But he will he will be the next Dodger to wear number 10. Write it down, Eric. So Put it on the board. Yes. Uh, so Turner's deal with the Red Sox is is a technically a, a one year deal plus a player option. So yep. all the money's guaranteed. So if he opts out, which seems likely, like unless something goes wrong, but he can opt out and his it deal becomes like essentially one year and fifteen million. So that seems pretty good for him. Um, so I guess pipe dream scenario: uh, he plays one year in Boston and then. He can even be the next number 10 as a player if the Dodgers want to bring him back next year. Maybe the ship has sailed at that point, like because they, you know, they cut ties with him now. I don't think it's like bad blood necessarily or anything. I think like, it's just like they're, they, you know, he, there's a certain point where he become enters the uh, Dodgers Chase Utley part of his career. And I think he's probably not ready for that. And sure. I think maybe he will be ready for that in a year or two. And the Dodgers would be happy to have him in that role. Yeah. Uh, Is this wishful so, thinking? Maybe. I don't care. That's my that's um, my prediction. And when it comes to roost, you will uh, so be very complimentary I, towards me. I, I kind of think um, – I I wonder, like, um, if, if, like, Jock Peterson is that for them at some oh. point in the next, like, couple years, you know, even if it's just, like, a – a one-year deal or something. I know he got the he had a good year last year with the Giants, and then parlayed that into the qualifying offer, which he accepted. But um, you could see a scenario where, like, well, you know, we we need another left-handed bat. We, we, you know, what you get in Jock, that sort of a thing. Like, so maybe that. So he, I think he's my he's my guy. Recalling that Dan Heron was part of the trade. This is the food question, by the way. Recalling that Dan we, Heron was there's there's one other one before. Oh the food oh oh, but I'm so hungry. Yeah, the Dodgers have led the National League in runs scored. That's not the food question. And runs against uh, in five consecutive seasons. How did I skip this? While the opening day roster is months away for the contest, name the National League team or teams that will lead the league in runs scored and runs against in twenty twenty three. So I still I still think they could lead the league in runs fewest runs allowed. Um. 
I wonder, I think it's probably the Padres more likely to score uh, the most, maybe. Um, I think the Mets will be up there in terms of run prevention. Yeah, that's that's my um, pick for what it's worth. So I think it's Padres for scoring, but I and you say Mets for... I say um, Mets for runs allowed, and I'm going to go with the Dodgers for runs scored. I don't know right, how. So don't ask both, me how. We're both taking them to lead the league in one of those categories. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And when they, they're second in both, we'll cry. Hey, you ready for a food question? I am. It, has, actually, it involves I, Dan I love Aaron. this story, too. Yeah, this is Recalling good. that you do, because you keep giving it to me as a hint on trivia, and I keep forgetting. <laughs> Recalling right. that Dan Heron was part of the trade that sent Miguel Rojas to the Marlins, brought back another great moment when Dan Heron said he had never eaten fish. While we spend a lot of time here talking about sandwiches, as we do, I wanted to ask today, did the two of you ever have tuna casserole or fish sticks (laughs) uh, slash fried fillets growing up? I'll know that in a pinch, fish sticks, fish fillets are pretty good as a fish taco ingredient. Uh, Never had tuna casserole. which Never had tuna casserole. (laughs) Oh, that sounds so gross. Um, Uh, I had fish sticks growing up. They're they're fine. I had fish sticks a lot. Um, <laughs> I, I was a, my mom, uh, it, you know, solo parent at that point uh, for the most part growing up. So I had a lot of TV dinners and um, I'm just at the ready. And then a part of that in the, in the, the freezer at home were, uh, you know, you fish sticks a lot. And I, and I like fish sticks. So like, that was pretty good. That was for a long, sadly, not, not too long, but like for a good portion of my childhood, that was like most of the fish I ate. <laughs> so like it was not the best representative of like uh, a fish, but like, yeah, they're, they're pretty, I, I, I think I tried the like fish filet at McDonald's. Not that it's ever going to be good, but like, I never, I didn't like it at all. <laughs> so I sort of strayed away from that, like sort of fast food type fish. Um, but yeah, fish sticks, I had, I had a lot growing up. Um, and I think we had like, cocktail sauce at the ready that's what i dip them in fun times uh yeah i i got uh, you know it, we would have it i don't know every couple of months they're fine not my favorite right. but i also didn't refuse i i almost want to go because it's it's probably it's been at least 25 years since i had a fish stick probably at least so i almost want to go to the store and buy fish sticks just to see what's up and um See, they were because I, I, we never like fried stuff at home, you know. So mm-hmm. I'm certain they were always in the oven. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, 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 I'd want to have fish sticks now. So now I definitely don't want to make tuna casserole though. Never, never having that. So all right, that's it. What a, what a way to go out. That's uh, that's our first episode for, of the lineup for the new year. Thanks for listening, everybody. Um, go eat some fish sticks, and uh, we'll talk to you again in a few weeks.